1450 Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. We welcome everyone to the program. My name is J. Paul Newman. My co-host is Rutherford County District Attorney General Jennings Jones. We thank WGNS for providing the airtime. We also thank our producer, Nick Coyne. Most of all, we thank you for listening. In our Inside the Court segment, District Attorney General Jennings Jones will tell you about recent and upcoming grand jury, general sessions, and circuit court activity. In our call to conviction segment, I will highlight the 2017 murder of 23-year-old James Buford. My special guest will be Detective Sergeant James Abbott of the Murfreesboro Police Department. Closing out today's program with our What's the Law segment, will be Rutherford County District Attorney General Jennings Jones. General Jones will tell us about some of the new laws that were enacted this year by our state legislature. It is a discussion that promises to be both interesting and educational. We will begin the broadcast after you listen to these important messages. This is Amanda from Animal City. Don't let dangerous pests see your pet as a target. Stop in the Animal City and get some flea and tick prevention. Animal City is at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. We have a wide variety of products for small pets and their people and the critters themselves to add to your family. Come see us at Animal City and check out our small animal department. We have lots of small furry critters. Animal City is at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Restaurant. Demas's Restaurants are now hiring. We are looking for grill cooks and other kitchen employees with competitive pay and flexible hours. If you're looking for full-time work or part-time work, then Demas's is the place to be. We've been voted a top workplace for five years in a row by the Tennessean. Apply within or online at demasesrestaurants.com. Demas's Family Restaurants on 1115 Northwest Broad Street. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Join me, America's career coach, Ken Coleman, weekdays live at noon here on News Radio WGNS for practical advice to help you discover the work you were born to do. This is Inside the Courts. A look at this month's trials, pleas, and grand jury action. Inside the Courts is presented as a courtesy of the Rutherford County Clerk's Office. 
Good morning, everyone. This is your district attorney, Jennings Jones, and in this segment, I will be your tour guide as I take you inside the courts. We begin this segment by stating that none of the defendants named in upcoming trials or hearings have been convicted, and, of course, they are presumed by our law to be innocent. With that as a prelude, we will now go inside the courts. On June 27 of 2018, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a shooting on Old Las Casas Pike. Upon arrival, officers located Dylan Biddle Jr., who had sustained multiple gunshot wounds and later died from his injuries. Officers were also contacted about an unknown male that had been shot and was attempting to get into vehicles at the Reeves Rogers Elementary School. That male was later identified as Albert Mustafa. Detective Doug Errington with the Murfreesboro Police Department was assigned as lead investigator on the case. Upon conclusion of his investigation, it was determined that Albert Mustafa and Devante James went to a residence on Old Las Casas with the intent to commit a robbery. Mustafa and James entered the residence and attempted to rob Mr. Biddle, who was a guest at the residence. During the course of the attempted robbery, Mr. Biddle was shot and killed. Mr. Biddle was able to return fire and Mustafa sustained a gunshot wound as a result. Mr. Mustafa and Mr. James were charged with first-degree murder, felony murder, aggravated robbery, and employing a weapon during the commission of a dangerous felony. Mr. Mustafa is represented by counsel, Mr. Thomas Parkerson. James is represented by Charles Ward. The state will be represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. Both defendants remain in custody and await their next court date on September the 8th of this year. On April the 9th of 2020, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a residence on North Rutherford Boulevard in response to a shooting, resulting in the death of Stephen Lopez Jr. Lead investigator, Murfreesboro Detective Richard Presley, has charged Mr. James Evans III with the second-degree murder of Mr. Lopez. On July 1st of last year, Mr. Evans waived his right to a preliminary hearing and bound his case over to the grand jury. In March of this year, the grand jury returned a true bill against Mr. Evans on charges of second-degree murder and possession of a weapon. Mr. Evans, who is now represented by Mr. Jack Mitchell, has waived his right to an arraignment before a circuit court judge. His next scheduled court date is June the 7th, 2021. In this matter, the state will be represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. On April 30th, 2018, officers with the Laverne Police Department responded to George Buchanan Drive in response to a shooting. Emergency personnel transported the victim, identified as a juvenile, to Vanderbilt Hospital, where the victim later died from their injuries. Also present at the time of the shooting were the victim's younger siblings. Laverne Police Detective Scott Hudgens, was assigned as lead investigator. At the conclusion of the investigation, it was determined that the victim was attempting to buy a cell phone that had been advertised on social media, and that Brian Berry and Marquise Hughes had lured the victim to that location with the intent to rob them. During the course of the robbery, either Mr. Berry or Mr. Hughes shot the victim. The defendants have been indicted for first-degree murder, aggravated robbery, and conspiracy to commit the same. Brian Berry is represented by Mr. John Slager, while Marquise Hughes is represented by Assistant Public Defender Ben Wetzel. The state is represented by counsel Mr. Trevor Lynch. This matter is set for trial to begin on January the 24th of next year. 
On March 31, 2019, the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a residence on Sunset Avenue. Once inside, officers discovered the body of Judith Montmire. Mrs. Montmire had been stabbed multiple times, resulting in her death. Upon the conclusion of the investigation, Murfreesboro Detective Jacob Fountain charged Martin Montmire with the first-degree murder of his wife, 53-year-old Judith Montmire. On August 8th of 2019, Mr. Martin Montmire appeared before the General Sessions Court in Rutherford County, and following a preliminary hearing, the court bound the matter over for presentment to the Rutherford County Grand Jury. In November of 2019, the Rutherford County Grand Jury returned a true bill against Mr. Martin Montmire for first-degree murder. Mr. Montmire last appeared before the Circuit Court of Rutherford County on Mart, uh, pardon me, May 13th of this year, where he was represented by Assistant Public Defender Ben Wetzel. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorneys Trevor Lynch and Dana, Mont Dana Meyer. Mart Meyer is, remains in custody and awaits his trial, set to begin on May 9th, 2022. On May 16, 2017, the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to reports of multiple gunshots in the area of Gateway Apartments. Witnesses reported seeing a black male fleeing the area on foot. A gunshot victim, Mr. Kendrick Love, was located in front of one of the apartment buildings. Mr. Love was transported to St. Thomas Rutherford, where he later died from the injuries he sustained in the shooting. Witnesses on the scene established that the victim went to meet an individual for the purpose of selling marijuana. Additional witnesses identified the, identif the individual as Tyshawn Patterson, who matched the description of the male seen running on foot just after the shooting. Murfreesboro Police Department Detective Doug Arrington was assigned as lead investigator. At the conclusion of his investigation, it was determined that Mr. Patterson went to the alleged marijuana deal armed with a firearm and with the intent to rob the victim. Mr. Patterson has been charged with first-degree murder and attempted aggravated robbery. He is represented by counsel Mr. Kyle Parks. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. This matter is scheduled for trial to begin February the 22nd of next year. On October the 8th, 2020, Officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a shooting that ultimately resulted in the death of 22-year-old Ben Wright. Murfreesboro Police Department Detective Albert Miles has been assigned as the lead investigator. At the conclusion of the investigation, it was determined that Robert Rogers was, re was recklessly handling a firearm that discharged, resulting in the accidental shooting and death of Mr. Rogers' co-worker, Mr. Wright. A Rutherford County grand jury has indicted Roderick Rogers on one count of reckless homicide. He is represented by counsel, Mr. Kevin McGee. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. Mr. Rogers is currently released on bond and is scheduled to appear before the Circuit Court of Rutherford County, Tennessee on September 28th of this year. Finally, on 26th of June, 2019, deputies with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department responded to a residence on Walnut Grove Road. Mr. Terry Barber was found deceased on the floor with his hands and feet bound together. Lead investigator, Detective Steve Brown with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department has charged three individuals, Devin Gailey, Brent Ross, and Vernice Farrar with first degree murder, especially aggravated kidnapping, aggravated robbery, 
aggravated burglary, and fraudulent use of a debit card. Following a preliminary hearing in the General Sessions Court, the cases were bound over to the grand jury. In June of 2020, a grand jury returned a true bill against all three defendants. Devin Gailey is represented by Luke Evans. Brent Ross is represented by Michael Jones. And Vernice Farrar is represented by counsel Amanda Gentry. The state will be represented by myself and Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. All three defendants are next scheduled to appear in court on September the 9th of this year, with a trial set to start on March 21st of 2022. And that will conclude today's look inside the courts. Hummingbird Hill is an equal opportunity provider. Hummingbird Hill, Smyrna's newest apartment home community for people 62 and up. Furnished with all electric appliances, including a washer and dryer. Income restrictions apply. Background and credit check required. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner and we salute our veterans. We're News Radio WGNS 100.5, 101.9, 1450. Online and on your phone at WGNSRadio.com. From call to conviction, time now for a look back at one of the more intriguing and important cases for this community. From the crime, the investigation, to the prosecution. It was shortly after 2 p.m. on May the 4th, 2017, that the Murfreesboro Police Department was called to investigate the report of a shooting. The call came from the student quarters apartments on Greenland Drive in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. When the police arrived, they were directed to an apartment patio near the swimming pool. Lying on the patio was a critically wounded young man. That man was 23-year-old Jesse Buford. Jesse Buford had been shot numerous times, and he was critically wounded. Jesse Buford was rushed to the St. Thomas Hospital in Rutherford County. Sadly, later that date, Jesse Buford died from his wounds. At the scene, the police interviewed several citizens who witnessed the shooting. One of the witnesses tells the police that the last thing they heard Jesse Buford say to the shooter was, I love you, man. Investigators also discover that the apartment complex had installed video recording equipment. Shortly after the shooting, the Murfreesboro police obtain a copy of the apartment's videotape. The videotape actually recorded Jesse Buford frantically fleeing from a man, and the video showed that the man chasing Jesse Buford was armed with a gun, a gun he was firing at Jesse Buford. Through use of the video recording and interviews of the apartment residents, the investigation team, led by Detective James Abbott, is quickly able to identify the person who actually chased, shot, and killed Jesse Buford. That person was Lamaris Jones.
Lamoris Jones and Jesse Buford were former friends and had even lived together previously. But in the time period before the shooting, the relationship had become toxic. On May the 5th, 2017, Detective James Abbott of the Murfreesboro Police Department located and arrested Lamaris Jones and charged him with the first-degree murder of Jesse Buford. On Wednesday, May the 31st, 2017, Lamaris Jones appeared in the General Sessions Court of Rutherford County, Tennessee for his preliminary hearing. At the hearing, Jones was represented by Murfreesboro attorney Joshua Crane. The state was represented by Assistant District Attorney J. Paul Newman. Following the hearing, Judge Barry Tidwell sent the case to the Rutherford County Grand Jury. In September of 2017, the Rutherford County Grand Jury indicted Lamaris Jones for the murder of Jesse Buford. The case was assigned to the courtroom of Judge David Bragg. The defendant was represented by Nashville attorney Wesley Clark. The state was represented by Assistant District Attorney J. Paul Newman. Due to various legal procedures and significant delays caused by the COVID-19 virus outbreak, the trial of the case was postponed several times. In September of 2020, Assistant District Attorney General J. Paul Newman retired from the Rutherford County District Attorney's Office. The James Buford murder case was then transferred to Assistant District Attorneys Trevor Lynch and Brent Pierce. On October the 1st, 2020, with the COVID pandemic in recession, Lamaris Jones appeared in the courtroom of Judge David Bragg. Lamaris Jones had decided to enter a plea. At the plea, Lamaris Jones was represented by attorney Wesley Clark. Representing the state at the plea was Assistant District Attorneys Trevor Lynch and Brent Pierce. With members of Jesse Buford's family in attendance, Lamaris Jones pled guilty to the second-degree murder of Jesse Buford. Pursuant to the plea agreement, Judge David Bragg sentenced Lamaris Jones to serve 24 years in the Tennessee Department of Corrections. When we return, Detective Sergeant James Abbott of the Murfreesboro Police Department will tell us more about the murder of Jesse Buford and the speedy arrest and successful prosecution of Lamaris Jones. We're talking with Glenn King, a World War II veteran. I dropped out of high school and joined the Marines. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. When I came back to the States, I was stationed in the Marine Barracks in Washington, D.C. We were assigned to the White House, and we did a lot of traveling with President Truman. Did you have interactions with President Truman back then? Yes. When President Roosevelt was president, he found out that there was a CCC camp 80 miles west of Washington. You said the CCC. What is that? Civilian Conservation Corps. It was on top of a mountain in Thurmont, Maryland. He commandeered the CCC camp for his rest camp, and Roosevelt named it Shangri-La. President Truman had the presidential party up there. 
we all would eat uh, three meals a day in the CCC mess hall. In the mess hall down the middle was a great big curtain. President's party was on one side and the Marine detachment was on the other side. And every once in a while, President Truman would come and swing that curtain back, sit down and talk to us. And what he would say is, son, what state are you from? When they mentioned the state, oh, I know your senator real well, real well. When President Truman took the reins, he renamed what Roosevelt called Camp Shangri-La. The new name was Camp David. This has been a salute to veterans. The Action Line with Bart Walker, weekday mornings at 810. WGNS, your good neighbor station. County's place to talk. On air, online, and on the phone. You can listen to us anywhere. News Radio WGNS is Rutherford County's place to talk. Detective Abbott, we appreciate you taking the time to be here today. But before we delve into the case itself, I would like for you to tell us a little bit about yourself, such as where you grew up, where you were educated, what your duties are now, and most importantly, what motivated you to choose law enforcement as your profession. Well, I'm, uh, good morning. I, I'm fr originally from Winchester, Tennessee, is where I grew up at. And uh, from there, I left Winchester and, and went to the Army. And then after the Army, I uh, bounced around a little bit and then came to Middle Tennessee State University to attend college here. Uh, here, while, while, while working on my bachelor's, I entered law enforcement. And uh, I'm currently, uh, I, was, I have a bachelor's and a master's from MTSU. I'm currently at UTC, University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, uh, working on my doctorate there. Uh, law enforcement training, I, of course, I went to the Tennessee Law Enforcement Training Academy and, and have had the fortune of being, being able to go to several, attending numerous schools over the years uh, for criminal investigations particularly. Uh, I'm currently assigned as the supervisor over the Crimes Against Persons Unit which we investigate uh, the violent crime that, that occurs here in the city, uh, everything from homicides to assaults to simple assaults, harassments, uh, and missing persons, uh, to just name a few of the to name a few of the things. Uh, how I fell into law enforcement was just kind of uh, it, by accident, I guess. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't actually a career I was looking at. Uh, actually, at the time when I became a law police officer, when I joined, uh, got into law enforcement, I actually was uh, getting ready to go in the Army, go back to the Army. When was it that you decided, I want to be a police officer? Oh, uh, you put me on the spot. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest. I, you know, like I said, I was actually going back to the Army. That was my plan. Uh, I think my father is the one who, who was... My father had a lot of concerns about me going back to the military. He, he was one of those who worried about me a lot when I was in the military the first time. And so uh, I think my dad, uh, it was more or less a conversation I had with my father. And, and he, he at first suggested the highway patrol. Uh, and then I, I eventually got hired on at a sheriff's department and then came here in Murfreesboro in 1998. Detective Abbott, my summary of this case was really brief. And I would like to ask you a series of questions designed to tell us more about the murder of Jesse Buford and the arrest and conviction of Lamaris Jones. First of all, who were the Murfreesboro police officers that were involved in this case, and what roles did they play in bringing Lamaris Jones to justice? 
Uh, well, this case is one of those where, I mean, there was, there was a tremendous amount of law enforcement uh, presence at the initial investigation and throughout the investigation itself. Um, one, one of the, some of the first people on scene at that time was, uh, uh, he was an officer then, uh, Detective Mark McGottam, uh, at that time Sergeant Harry Haig, who was over the uh, directed patrol unit, uh, which uh, he's now Lieutenant Harry Haig. Um, he was there. Uh, we had uh, most of his most of his officers from the direct patrol unit was arrived on scene. Um, the special investigations division of the Mercerboro Police Department, which includes our narcotics and gang unit, arrived on scene. Um, the, our crime scene unit, headed by Lieutenant Taylor and Sergeant Von Puck D, along with Detective Philip Lloyd, Detective Ray Daniel, uh, also uh, responded and myself and uh, uh, members of the Murfreesboro Police Department's Crimes Against Persons Unit uh, also responded out there to the scene and, and was out there at the scene. And throughout the investigation, of course, the Crimes Against Persons Unit worked it. Um, it was, it's a team, any of these cases that, that, that General Jones was mentioned about the murder cases, uh, pretty much I've, I've been, most of the, most those murders that, that occurred here in Murfreesboro I've been on, uh, it's a team effort when you have a case like that. And, and it starts with from the, the first arriving officers uh, throughout the investigation. Also, uh, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Tennessee Highway Patrol, who actually took Lamarce Jones into custody. Uh, they found Mr. Jones on Interstate 40 uh, for us uh, when we got information that he was on the uh, Interstate 40 uh, between Memphis and Jackson. Uh, so they did a tremendous, tremendous job for us, assisting us there in that case and getting him and taking into custody. My next question is, tell us about the relationship between Lamaris Jones and Jesse Buford. They had been friends at one point. Matter of fact, they'd even been college room, or not college roommates, but roommates uh, here in Rutherford County. Uh, they had lived over at an apartment, I believe it was somewhere over on uh, South Rutherford. And at some point during their time as roommates and their friendship it had turned uh they'd had a falling out it, it was not a bad falling out or anything you know that that, that you would assume led lead to homicide uh but at some point after the falling out the friendship the even became or their past friendship became more toxic now as i understand it uh, jesse buford had been visiting at an apartment uh on that particular occasion, what was he at that apartment for, if you remember? Jesse had been there to actually get a haircut. There was a young man there who uh, he would cut friends and friends and, and people he knew's hair. Uh, he had uh, kind of picked up that trade in, in college, trying to save money himself while he was uh, going to MTSU. He was actually a business major, and that young man actually graduated, was graduating that semester. He, it was his last semester at MTSU. He had just gotten his degree in uh, business. And he was, because uh, he was one of the individuals that was a witness for the case, and or uh, one of our witnesses there. And um, he had uh, he he told us that day. He said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm moving back to Memphis." He said, "I just got my degree." He was very, you know, you, you could kind of tell he was. It was kind of sad, you know. If he knew this guy who'd just been murdered right there in front of him, and this is like the week that he was really excited. He just graduated college as well. Detective Abbott, Lamoris Jones shot and killed his former friend and roommate. Can you share with us any background information about Lamoris Jones? 
Lamoris Jones was uh, originally from Memphis, the Memphis, Tennessee area. Uh, he had lived here, I believe he was about 20, if I'm not mistaken, he was still about 20 years of age, 20 years old. Uh, he had lived here for in Murfreesboro for a few years. His original intent was to uh, move here and go to MTSU. And like I said, he had lived here for probably about a couple of years now. Uh, and his, he was originally from the Memphis area and, and family also in, in northern Mississippi. And of course, we never want to forget the victim in a case, in this case, Jesse Buford. What can you tell us about Jesse Buford? Uh, Jesse uh, was also originally from Memphis. Uh, that's how come these guys had, had met and kind of hooked up once they got here. It, uh, my understanding was they did not know each other in Memphis. But when they came to Murfreesboro, they met each other. And, and, and because they were from Memphis and you did not know a lot of people here in the Middle Tennessee area, um, they uh, basically struck up a friendship. And, and from there, it, it grew. Uh, and at some point, it, like I said, it became toxic. We also do not want to forget the family of Jesse Buford. Specifically, tell us about the family cooperation in the investigation and all of the events leading to the plea of the case. The family was very helpful uh, throughout the investigation. They were very, uh, very cooperative. Uh, any information, a lot of times we'd have to call them late at night sometimes. Um, and once once Mr. Jones was taken into custody and, and we started the court process, um, you know, the court system and, and, and no offense to General Jones or the judges or anyone else, the court process is a very frustrating point, time period for victims of uh, or families of victims. Um, and it's because there's so much. Uh, you know, they might be a hearing or they may be a motion set that day and it, it suddenly gets kicked back, as you all know, gets kicked back to another day or another week. And, of course, a lot of times these families, these victims, like in this case here, uh, the family's from Memphis. So if there is a continuance or something or it, the mo it gets moved, they've driven down that morning or, or say, say um, it, it gets very frustrating. And they never got frustrated about any of it they were always very understanding um you know if we had to call them at the last minute late at night and say hey don't come to court tomorrow it's, it's been moved they were okay with everything i mean you know and and like i said i mean I, i'm not knocking the you know not trying to knock folks that that victims uh, families that do get upset it is very understanding because it, you're entering a process that you don't know anything about you know very little about um, I've been in law enforcement now 26, going on 26 years. I still don't know every, all the ins and outs of the court system. I mean, I know a lot now, but, um, but again, it's one of those where uh, if you're not familiar with the system, you can get very frustrated, and that, that's what happens to a lot of the family members. The apartment complex videotape played a major role in this investigation. How were you able to make, how were you made aware, first of all, of the existence of that tape? How did you obtain the video? And then I want you to tell us what the video recording showed regarding the murder of Jesse Buford. So immediately upon our arrival, uh, the, the management there at the apartment complex was, was extremely helpful. Uh, they, had, they had installed video camera systems there in the side of the apartment complex, and they immediately contacted, or as soon as we arrived on scene, the first officers, uh, they already started telling those first officers, hey, we have video. 
we've got video systems back here where this happened. Officers and detectives begin reviewing that video immediately. Um, and so when the officer saw the video after, and, and, and the video kind of puts everything into context of what happened. And what I mean by that is Mr. Buford was there visiting a friend, getting a haircut. Uh, another friend of his was also in there getting a haircut as well. And so as he was walking back out to his car, uh, his friend was, was in there finishing up getting his haircut. And as Jesse is walking, you can see Jesse from the video. Um, it's, it's a perfect video of Jesse leaving out of there, walking toward the breezeway of an apartment complex, of another bu apartment building where their vehicle is at. And so Jesse is walking through there, and you can kind of see the, uh, him leaving the apartment. So you know, okay, so this is where he left from. Uh, and then a short time later, you see Jesse Buford running backwards, um, very, you know, very frantic. And then you see him fall. And then you can see the suspect standing over him, uh, Mr. Jones. And so the video kind of puts everything into context as far as how the homicide took place, how the shooting took place, uh, and, and what all transpired afterwards. In watching the video, could you determine whether uh, Mr. Jones uh, had was in possession of a firearm and whether his actions were consistent with firing a firearm? Uh, yes, uh, you could you could tell that that he was the shooter at one point. You can see, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you can see the arm outreached uh, on him in the video. Uh, and 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 like I said, during the video, you can see Mr. Buford laying on the ground, and what looks appears to be like he is 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 begging basically for his life, uh, maybe you know, or, or, or having some sort of communication with Mr. Jones, uh, which again the video kind of shows this you know often from a distance but then you have your eyewitnesses because there was eyewitnesses there that also witnessed this and those witnesses heard it so you can so now you're watching the video and in, and you put it like i said put it in context with your witnesses who say this is what we heard were you able to see on the videotape after mr buford was shot was he ever ever able to get up uh, yes, he was able to actually uh, get up, and then he ran to back to the apartment um, patio where he had just left from and collapsed. At any time, was Jesse Buford able to defend himself, or did he take any actions to defend himself? No. If you watch the video, you, you can clearly tell that, that Mr. Buford was, uh, you know, it was a very quick attack or quick quick attack on Mr. Buford it was it was uh, you know you see him walking like not a care in the world and then just seconds he's running backwards and 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 falls and collapses at any time uh, during the investigation were you able to establish a motive and if so at what point did you have that motive if you established one uh Really, the motive, based on what we can gather, was the the relationship had turned toxic. Again, I go back to it being a, a had turned uh, their relationship. They'd had a falling out, um, and recently, and in recent days, uh, according to Mr. Jones, uh, him and Mr. Buford had exchanged words in recent days, um, and so that was the reasoning, or, or well. I don't believe there's any reason to to shoot a man, but again, like I said, that was the 
understanding was is that these two it, it, they had exchanged words a few days earlier and so when mr jones saw mr buford um in the apartment complex walking through uh he had decided to confront mr mr buford um again you know like i said i'm not sure you know how long that intent had been uh out there though because uh, we do know that mr buford had actually had a friend because he could not purchase a firearm uh actually had had a friend purchase the firearm for him in february of that same year were you able to recover that particular firearm? Uh, we were not. Mr. Uh, Jones admitted to taking the firearm to Mississippi to, to be de destroyed uh, with the intent to destroy it and withhold it for evidence or prevent us from obtaining it. Um, and of course, but we were able to uh, identify uh, the, the, the individual who purchased the firearm for Mr. Jones. And from there, we were able to backtrack to, uh, after interviewing that individual, we were able to backtrack to the dealership where the uh, firearm came from. And so we were able to, to basically, it was uh, obtain that information and evidence on, on the firearm itself and, and match it to the caliber, caliber of casings that were found at the scene. We want to thank, of course, all the witnesses who came forward, but I want to especially uh, mentioned that there was a postal worker a mailman yes sir. who came forward can you tell us what he was able to give the investigation uh he was able to really give us uh the the kind of the mindset uh based on his statement the mindset of mr jones uh the the mail the gentleman who was delivering the mail there that day uh told us uh during the interview almost immediately that you know he said i saw this gentleman pull his car in really fast, jump out, and start walking uh, toward the breezeway. And the, the mailman, actually, the gentleman who was uh, delivering the mail there told us that, he said, you know, I, he goes, the look and everything and his actions, he said, I just, I got back in my vehicle. He goes, I thought there was about to be a shooting. He goes, I, I kind of ducked down in my vehicle um, based on what he just, what, so it kind of gives us that mindset of where, Mr. Jones was thinking, um, and of course, Mr. Jones in his statement to police was he was driving through the complex, saw Mr. Buford, parked, went and confronted Mr. Buford. Um, and of course, you know, he, um, I believe in, in one point in the statement, he made the comment even that um, the, uh, when I asked him about, about Mr. Buford, he, Mr. Buford may have not even seen him fire the first shot that that that's how quickly he came up on mr buford and began shooting one of the interesting aspects of this case is i understand that there was also an apartment that was a separate and apart from the apartment building where uh, mr buford was that there was a gunshot through that particular apartment uh, can you tell us about that first of all was the victim was that person home when that shot uh, came through the door Okay, so no, actually the shot was uh, was not in an apartment. It was actually in a house across the street of Greenland Drive. Mm -hmm. uh, somehow the bullet had traveled through the breezeway that Mr. Buford was running back toward um, when he was sh when he was being shot at, and that that bullet uh, proceeded through the green or through the breezeway across Greenland Drive into a house across the street. And was anyone in the house at that time? Uh, I believe that there was a. Uh, there was no, no, nobody I don't think was inside. 
Detective Abbott, we want to thank you and the other members of the Murfreesboro Police Department for the excellent work that was performed in bringing Lamaris Jones to justice. Do you have any parting comments? Uh, no, sir. I, like I said, again, these types of investigations, they are uh, uh, a team effort. And I, you know, everybody, uh, these type of these type of cases require a team to work and, and, and we're very fortunate to have the, t the teams that we have here. When we return, District Attorney General Jennings Jones will update us on the new laws of Tennessee on today's segment of What's the Law? Two powerful FM signals, one AM signal, and online at WGNSRadio.com means that you can listen to us anywhere. AM, AM FM, FM, online. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One, MiddleTennessee.com. Locally and veteran. You can make a meaningful difference in 2021. KidLink Community Services is currently seeking foster parents in your area. KidLink provides free training and certification. Contact KidLink today at 877-714-1313 or KidLinkServices.com. Old friends, new name, better together, as First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County, but we'll always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. What's the law? Time now for an examination of the laws of Tennessee. This is not intended to be legal advice and is being presented solely for the informational benefit of our listening audience. You should always consult with an attorney whenever you need or rely on legal advice. Paul, as you know, uh, the, the 2021 uh, legislative session in Tennessee ended on May 5th of this year. Uh, and, and many of the laws that uh, the state legislature uh, enacted have gone into effect. And a couple of those laws I know that some of our listeners have expressed a, a lot of interest in. One of those is, is the constitutional carry law. Now, prior to July 1st of this year, if you wanted to carry a, a pistol in public, uh, a loaded, loaded firearm, loaded pistol, you had to have a concealed carry permit. If you did not have a concealed carry permit uh, and you carried a loaded weapon in public, then, then you could be charged with a, a Class A misdemeanor and, and you, you face the possibility of uh, up to 11 months, 29 days in jail and a fine of up to $2,500. Well, uh, the governor, in, in conjunction with the legislature, passed constitutional carry. Now, what constitutional carry is, uh, obviously the uh, Second Amendment to the federal constitution uh, gives us the right to uh, bear arms. Uh, and the governor determined that uh, he wanted the state of Tennessee to follow that more strictly. Uh, and so has adopted the measures stating that uh, it is no longer necessary to possess a concealed carry permit in order to carry a weapon. Now, that being the case, there are still some restrictions 
uh, and requirements if you wish to carry a weapon. Most of the same restrictions uh, that applied in order to get a, con a concealed carry permit still apply. For instance, uh, if you are a convicted felon or if you have a pending felony charge, uh, you cannot carry under the constitutional carry provision. The same goes for uh, pending charges or convictions for domestic violence or stalking. Uh, the governor and the legislature added a couple of new requirements. Uh, first, you cannot carry a loaded pistol if you have had a DUI conviction within the past five years or uh, if you have had two DUI convictions or more within the past 10 years. Now further, uh, if, uh, if you want to carry a pistol, you cannot be a fugitive justice, fugitive from justice, and you cannot have been dishonorably discharged uh, from the armed forces. Uh, you cannot be a subject of an order of protection or restraining order. And of course, and this one's common sense, you cannot have been judged mentally defective by a court. If you have had any of those things, then, then you still cannot carry a weapon, even though uh, the constitutional carry law has been passed. Uh, if none of these things apply to you, uh, then if you are either 21 years old or 18 and have completed basic training and are on active duty or have been honorably discharged from the armed forces, then you can now carry a pistol without a permit. A few things to bear in mind. You cannot possess a weapon if you are under the influence of an intoxicant. Now, I receive this question a lot. Uh, folks sort of think about the offense of DUI. And, and of course, Paul, as you know, with DUI, uh, there is a, a blood alcohol content limit, uh, 0.08 or greater, and, and you are not allowed to drive a vehicle. Uh, when carrying a weapon, there is no set limit. If you are under the influence of an intoxicant to any degree, you cannot be in possession of a weapon. Uh, and then finally, um, still can't carry a, a weapon on the grounds of a school or a judicial building. If, if you do that and you are not a uh, law enforcement officer, you, you are going to get in trouble. There are a few places where there is still some benefit to having a carry permit. If you have a carry permit, you can now carry your pistol on the greenway or at a campground. If you do not have a permit, you still cannot carry on those spaces even under the new law. In those spaces, an officer can still ask you to present your carry permit, and if you do not have a carry permit on you, if you are armed, you might be arrested. Uh, in light of these new laws, a couple of things have been passed. Uh, there has been an addition uh, uh, to uh, the theft law, stating that if you are in possession, or pardon me, that if you steal a firearm, uh, it is now a, a felony and requires a minimum of 180 days in jail. Uh, courts are also allowed to consider the theft of a firearm from a motor vehicle as an enhancer to increase uh, a sentence uh, if you are uh, found guilty of, uh, of motor vehicle theft or motor vehicle burglary. Uh, now that's a pretty basic summary of the new constitutional carry law. Uh, there have been other laws uh, passed by the legislature that I think our listeners might find interesting. Uh, and Paul, I'll try to hit some of those when we come up on our next show. As we end our program today, 
we thank our special guest, Detective Sergeant James Abbott of the Murfreesboro Police Department. We thank WGNS for providing the airtime. We thank our producer, Nick Coyne. Most of all, we thank you for listening. Our next scheduled broadcast is Friday morning, September the 3rd at 8.10 a.m. on your good neighbor station, WGNS. We leave by saying, a safe community is the responsibility of each and every one of us. For my co-host, Jennings Jones, this is Paul Newman, bidding all of you a safe and blessed day. The District Attorney's Office thanks you for listening to today's program. If you have any information regarding criminal activity in our community, please contact one of our law enforcement agencies. The information presented on today's show is solely for informational benefit and not intended to be legal advice. You should always consult an attorney whenever you need or rely on legal advice. Rutherford County's most trusted name in news. Talk Radio WGNS, Murfreesboro. News Radio, WGNS, Murfreesboro, the voice of Rutherford County, and the flagship station for Blue Raiders sports. The Cordas Clock shows it's 9 o'clock. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. Ascension St. Thomas Rutherford United Surgical Partners International and Physician Partners have opened the newest ambulatory surgery center, New Salem. The president and CEO of Ascension St. Thomas Rutherford, Gordon Ferguson, says their mission is to serve everyone, even those without health care. There are those that uh, find themselves in, in difficult times, and yet they still need health care. And uh, it's just a, something that we've got the privilege of providing as, as part of our faith-based ministry. And uh, you'll see that continue on in locations, not just at the main hospital. The surgery center is on New Salem Road and is expected to start seeing new patients in early September. A bicyclist taken to the hospital with serious injuries after being hit by an SUV on West College Street just out of the Thompson Lane overpass Thursday morning. The auto and bike were both traveling towards Smyrna on West College Street. The driver of the Cadillac SUV cited for failure to exercise due care. Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue and Rutherford County Emergency Medical Services treated the bicyclist at the scene before taking him to the hospital. Friday, Main Street will host their third free Friday Night Live concert on the square. It features the Middle Tennessee band Higher Ground playing music from the 60s to today with styles ranging from modern, hip-hop, dance, R&B, and oldies. Food trucks and downtown restaurants will be open, presented by Wilson Bank and Trust and T-Mobile. News on demand 24-7 at our website, wgnsradio.com. And when news breaks, we tweet it. Just follow us on Twitter at WGNS Radio. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock when it breaks and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. CBS Radio News. Strategies that protect students. We're talking about protecting students. This shouldn't be hard. One airline is leading the way in vaccinations. CBS's Jim Crisula. United Airlines is requiring its nearly 70,000 U.S. workers to be vaccinated. It's the first U.S. carrier to make such a mandate. Several airlines, including United, have tried to encourage workers to be vaccinated voluntarily with incentives like bonus pay or extra vacation. Spirit Airlines CEO is dealing with a major 
major headache, flight cancellations that have stranded thousands of passengers. Ted Christie tells CBS News. It's heart-wrenching, and we're doing our best uh, to make up for that, and I believe we have, so that those people are either where they belong, where they're in a hotel, or, or afforded the option to go somewhere else. More than 1,700 flights have been canceled since Sunday. Hundreds more are scrapped for today. Christie blames staffing shortages and the weather. A new iPhone feature is raising privacy concerns. CBS's Monica Ricks. Apple says its new tool called Neural Match scans U.S. phones for images of child pornography and child sexual abuse. The program only spots illicit images that are already in a federal database and flags them. If they're confirmed by a human, the account is disabled and reported. Score some for Team USA at the Summer Olympics. Steve Futterman is in Tokyo. The latest American gold is a rare one in wrestling. Gable Steveson wins in the 125-kilo freestyle category. And Allison Felix gets the bronze in the 400-meter race. It's her 10th Olympic medal. That's more than any other woman in U.S. track history. Five of those have been in relays. In an equestrian competition, a German rider was reduced to tears and left after the horse she was given to ride refused to jump and knock down fences. Dow up 90. This is CBS News. CBS News Radio is your home for breaking news. With our team of reporters around the country and the world, we give you the coverage you can trust. Hey there, it's CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger with an inside track on a company that could save your family over 800 bucks a year on a basic service everyone needs, H2O Wireless. If you're with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, H2O Wireless gives you the exact same coverage as one of those, but at half the price. That's right, H2O Wireless uses the same network, same towers. You can even keep your phone and number because switching is as easy as swapping a SIM card. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and 15 gigs of data for just 36 bucks a month. And if you want a new phone, H2O Wireless has huge savings on the latest iPhones and Androids. Here's what you need to do. Pick up your phone and dial pound 250 and say keyword, get H2O. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. Again, dial pound 250 and say keyword get h2o and your family could start saving over 800 a year today good neighbor weather we'll see a few spotty showers and thunderstorms at times this afternoon otherwise mostly cloudy skies high in the upper 80s southwest winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour i'm meteorologist jennifer vujitsky on news radio wgns currently it's 69 it's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner and we salute our veterans. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. This is Good Neighbor Events with Bart Walker. Brought to you by the law offices of John Day and AmeriCare Pest Control. This is a paid legal ad. Hi, this is John Day of the law offices of John Day. For more than 30 years, my team and I have worked hard to help injure people throughout Middle Tennessee. Over that time, we've helped thousands of people get the legal help they need when they've needed it the most. 
And if we're not able to help or aren't the right lawyer for you, we'll do the best to point you in the right direction. If you've been injured, call the law offices of John Day for a free consultation. And remember, there's no fee unless we win your case. Let's check those WGNS Good Neighbor events. Oakland's Mansion's Oktoberfest is Saturday, September the 25th. An afternoon packed with fun, food, and great music. The Knott Brothers Band will hit the stage around 4 o'clock. Quickly get in touch with Oakland's Mansion and secure your tickets to Oktoberfest. It'll be Saturday, September the 25th. The 6th Annual Great Chase Fun 5K Run and Walk is Saturday, September the 25th, right there at Gateway Island. Starts at 7 in the morning. And the Great Chase provides financial and emotional support to families with loved ones who are enduring life-limiting illnesses. The 10th Annual Wine Around the Square with St. Thomas Rutherford Foundation and the Power of Pink is Saturday, September the 18th. The VIP party is from 5 to 7, and the main event is 6 until 9. Wine Around the Square is the annual fundraiser 